the woke police at the University of Washington now have a list of problematic words. Liberal host Bill Maher unloads on COVID rules and restrictions. Plus, it was a weekend of protests in Washington, D.C. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with the University of Washington because the woke police have struck again. And this university is providing yet another example of how the left has taken over education and seems more focused on indoctrinating students into left-wing activism rather than teaching students about topics such as math, history, or science. In a move that shows wokeness has taken center stage, the university has published a language guide which labels some common everyday words, words we use all the time, as problematic. Here's the story. A University of Washington language guide is calling everyday words used by Americans problematic. The University of Washington Information Technology Department released an inclusive language guide that lists a number of problematic words that are racist, sexist, ageist, or homophobic. According to the guide, words such as grandfather, housekeeping, minority, ninja, and lame are considered problematic words. Once again, in an effort to supposedly be more inclusive, the university is basically saying, you can't say anything. You can't say anything because almost any word is now sexist, racist, or offensive in some way. The university lists lame as a problematic word. Seriously, I say that word all the time, so I guess I'm an A number one offender. Here's more. For example, the language guide states that the word lame is considered problematic because it's ableist. The word is offensive even when it's used in slang for uncool because it's using a disability in a negative way to imply that the opposite, which would be not lame, to be superior, the guide states. The guide considers grandfather a problematic word because the term was used as a way to exempt some people from a change because of conditions that existed before the change. Grandfather clause originated in the American South in the 1890s as a way to defy the 15th Amendment and prevent black Americans from voting, the guide explains. This is just crazy. I can't keep track of what's acceptable and what's not anymore. Men are women, women are men, up is down, left is right. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. The guide also considers language such as no can do, spirit animal, and separating groups based on certain colors to be racist or culturally appropriative. According to the language guide, using red, white, or yellow to separate different teams is based on racist tropes. Yep, this is your education dollars at work, producing new leftist snowflakes one student at a time. All right, next let's talk about Bill Maher and COVID. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about Bill Maher and his Friday guest, former New York Times writer, Barry Weiss because during the show, they managed to completely torch the left-wing narrative on COVID. The Democrats, 
media, and big tech have colluded for close to two years, suppressing any talk about COVID that doesn't fit the approved group speak. The science has been clear since mid-2020, but now it looks like some on the left, like Marr and Weiss, are seeing the light. Here's Marr from Friday talking about Florida. I'm not moving to Florida. I'm not promoting Florida. I'm just saying, AOC just went to Florida and had a good time without a mask Looks hugging like people. like she was having okay. a blast. Okay. I'm just saying, I've been to Florida. The atmosphere was just night and day from California, which was gloomy and everything was... The, the, the Andromeda strain was out there. And you went to, Flo <laughs> you went to Florida. <laughs> and I'm just saying, yes, there are different factors and different states, but basically... It's like they stayed open and went on with life, and they didn't do a hell of a lot worse, and maybe did better. Democrat Congressman Richie Torres was also a guest on the show. He fired back that New York did worse because it's so densely populated, to which Marr responded that Florida has all the old people, and they were still fine. Fari Weiss added her take, saying that she and other liberal friends have finally had enough. I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this, and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax or to be called science denial or to be, you know, smeared as a Trumper. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. Well, Weiss is exactly right, except for one thing. We did have the science and the data back then. There are reports on masks. There are reports on who could spread COVID. The science has been there all along. Just go back a year. Go back almost two years and watch my show. I was saying the same thing then as I do now. The vaccine which really isn't a vaccine, is not a hazmat suit that seals you off from the rest of society. Anyone can catch COVID. Anyone can spread COVID. That's just a fact. Fact, cloth masks don't work. We've known that for two years. Fact, children have statistically essentially a 0% chance of dying. As Weiss said, around 800 children have died from or with COVID. 800 out of 27 million. And yet, parents are getting their kids injected with a medicine that has absolutely no long-term data for a virus that has basically zero chance of killing the children or even making them seriously sick. I agree with Weiss that it has been a tremendous moral failure on children that they had to wear masks all day long and go to remote learning when they don't get sick and they are the least likely to spread it. That's the actual science. But... I think the biggest moral failure of Joe Biden, the Democrats, and the media is this notion that you need to get vaccinated to protect someone else. As I mentioned, the science is clear that anyone can catch COVID and anyone can spread COVID. Your vaccination status has no bearing at all on someone standing next to you. And yet Biden and others pitted American against American, labeling unvaccinated people as some kind of outcasts, lepers, people to be shunned and shamed. That right there is the great moral failure of all of this, and it has taken its toll. At least some other countries have seen the light. In Europe, a lot of the leaders are now saying, we have to live with it. Boris Johnson said it. We have to live with it. 
It's not going away. Treat it like the flu. Some of the things they're doing in the UK, uh, now that they're not doing anymore, they're ending mandated fa face masks, uh, masks in school, that's gone. Work from home advisories, nope. Mandatory passports to get into nightclubs and large events. Legal requirement to self-isolate, no. We're getting, they're getting back to normal. It's way past time to get back to normal. People need to stop living in fear and actually follow the science. One interesting fact that Mar pointed out regarding living in fear was a recent survey which showed that over 40% of Democrats surveyed said that if a person gets COVID, that person has about a 50% chance of having to go to the hospital. In reality, if you get COVID, you have about a 1% chance of going to the hospital. But this is the kind of fear that was purposely spread, and it's good to see that even some folks on the left are starting to see the light. All right, next let's talk about the weekend of marches following a word from our sponsor. I wanna tell you about my friends over at World Fair. If you have a photo of your childhood home, your favorite travel spot, your hometown football stadium, whatever it is, World Fair takes that photo and turns it into a hand-drawn work of art. These sketches make great gifts, moving announcement cards, invitations, and more. So many possibilities that World Fair can do for you. And all you need is a photo. Just use the link in the description and use coupon code BOBBY13 for 10% off your next purchase. Next, there are a couple of marches and rallies this weekend that the media pretty much tried to ignore. The first was the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. This year, the march marked the 49th anniversary of the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision. And although the crowd was hampered by cold temperatures and COVID restrictions, the crowd showed an optimism not seen in a long time. From across the country, thousands gathered on the mall near the White House. Convinced that after nearly a half century of marching for life, this is the year that they will celebrate a huge victory. Ah, uh, last Roe v. Wade. Legal experts say the six to three conservative majority on the Supreme Court is now likely within months to narrow or overturn the 1973 decision that guaranteed a woman's right to choose. Now it was incredible to watch the people out there and to listen to the speeches. However, we're still dealing with a media that refuses to even say the term pro-life. You'll never hear it in a news report. Here's NBC News with their segment on the March for Life. On what could be Roe's final anniversary as the law of the land, Yamelsi Rodriguez is preparing for a future without it. We know firsthand what a post-Roe reality looks like because we live that reality every single day. Her state is one of more than two dozen across the U.S. that have sought restrictions on abortion access, forcing patients to look elsewhere for care, oftentimes having to cross state lines to get it. Well, that didn't have anything to do with the March for Life. What it did have was this idea that abortion is somehow health care for a patient. It's not. It's the taking of an innocent human life. Here's more. Meanwhile, abortion opponents nationwide are gaining strength. In just the past year, they introduced nearly 600 abortion restrictions and were able to pass more than 90 into law. To counter it, reproductive advocates are channeling their resources into the states, while the Supreme Court weighs whether or not to strike down or fundamentally alter the protections offered by Roe. Once again, pro-life advocates are labeled as abortion opponents, and the pro-abortion people are called reproductive advocates. That one makes no sense 
because with an abortion, there is no reproduction. By the way, at the end of that news report, they added that, meanwhile, some people marched in Washington, D.C. Also over the weekend, approximately 30,000 people gathered in front of the Lincoln Memorial to protest vaccine mandates. We've seen this across the world. And as Bill Maher pointed out in the lead segment, while other countries are moving on, those on the left here in America are bent on keeping children in masks, forcing vaccinations, and dividing the country. Here's a story. In our region, the district is the only jurisdiction requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccination to enter restaurants and bars and other indoor facilities. We must live free or we will die! The message for many on Sunday was not anti-vaccines, right. but the right to choose. Natural immunity! Kevin, who is fully vaccinated, and his son traveled from Arizona. I did it because we were told that it prevented people from getting COVID and that it would reduce the likelihood of me transmitting it to my family. And within four months of being fully vaccinated, I had COVID and I transmitted it to my family. By the way, one person in that clip mentioned natural immunity, and you probably saw the CDC has now released research that shows following the Delta variant, natural immunity is about six times stronger than the vaccine. Six times stronger. How much longer do we have to see children in masks? How much longer will the American people accept vaccine mandates and passports in order to go out? Not much longer, but it's those Democrat-run areas in the Biden administration that keep pushing it. Meanwhile, those of us that are living in free America will continue going about our business. All right, next we'll bring this show back full circle to education. This time, it's not a university's approved language list, but instead an elementary school in Denver that is promoting a BLM event for kindergartners and first graders in which five and six-year-olds will be exposed to anti-family rhetoric and critical race theory propaganda. Here's the story. A school district in Denver, Colorado, plans to host a Black Lives Matter week of action, according to a report from Parents Defending Education. Centennial Elementary School said it will instruct kindergartners and first graders to be transgender affirming by recognizing trans antagonistic violence and queer affirming so heteronormative thinking no longer exists. Another BLM principle outlined by the school is black villages or the disruption of Western nuclear family dynamics and a return to the collective village that takes care of each other. Kids in kindergarten and first grade need to be outside playing. That's the social skills they need to be learning. Not that the nuclear family is bad and certainly not lessons on transgenderism and sexual orientation. These are children who are being thrown into the left-wing lab of indoctrination. Now, to counter this claim, the school put out some information on whether or not content is age-appropriate for this event. Here's more. In response to age-appropriateness, the school said it believes it is never too early to start thinking about race, citing research that says children ages 2 to 4 can internalize racial bias, and by age 12, many children become set in their beliefs, according to PDE documents. Teachers may also read out age-appropriate texts such as Julian is a Mermaid about a straight, white cis woman that challenges the reader's bias and the social norms around gender expression and identity, or a day of pride about a pride parade that is threatened by a witch of shame. Is it any wonder that parents are fighting back? 
The problem is that most families just assumed year after year that schools were focusing on reading and math and science. It's only after the left has had decades to work on taking control of schools that parents are now stepping forward. But we are seeing the results and we are making a difference. We just need to keep it up so that our children get a true education and not left-wing talking points. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Wednesday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.